You guys, welcome to episode 108 of The Smush Room, the podcast that deep dives on the well-known, and more importantly, not-so-well-known hookups of your favorite reality TV stars. It's me, Troy McEady, and uh, I am I'm doing what I would consider, I guess, to be a milestone episode today, because in a year and a half, this is the first time that I'm doing an episode about the show that the title of my podcast is based on, Earl and Emmer. Um, and I have a really special guest here with me today. You will remember her from the Honey Boo Boo episode that we did together. Um, I'm recording with Riley again. How are you? Hi, um, I'm good. I'm happy to be back. I'm happy to have you back. We're doing a very special episode, not only because of the name thing, but like just because it's actually really shocking and like kind of dark that I haven't talked about this on this podcast yet. Like, how have I gone this long and not discussed Jersey Shore? I know, yeah. Uh, it's kind of surprising that it took you, what, to 108 episodes? <laughs> yeah, to be like, I should talk about the show that the, the name of this podcast <laughs> came from. Ridiculous. But I'm really excited. Uh, I'm a pretty big Jersey Shore head. I'm not, like, totally caught up on these newer seasons of Jersey Shore. My, I'm, my brain, for some reason, is, like, rejecting the idea of watching it. But... I like that they're all together. I like that they all seem happy. You know, I want what's best for them. But, like, I'm, you know, I I like old school, like, 2008 Jersey Shore. Yeah, so I remember when Jersey Shore first came out, 2008, 2009, like, that first season airing. I definitely watched that. um, And I would just watch it as it came on, like, the reruns and stuff, because I was never super, like, into it. But yeah. I did just, like, love watching it. I, like, I remember being at the gym and being on the elliptical and watching it and just being like, who are these people? But also, they work out, so I should, too. <laughs> it was, like, my motivation. <laughs> my one and only time I ever worked out in my life. <laughs> yeah. Like, the situation had you shook. You're like, I gotta get this body in check. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm a, obviously a little bit older than you, so my, like, Jersey Shore... Um, Like, my Jersey Shore journey is actually interesting because this show came out during, like, my peak, like, young drinking era. Like, the peak of me being, like, a young person who's, like, too young to be drunk and drunk (laughs) all the time. Um, And it really, I will say, like, had a major effect on, as silly as it sounds now in 2019, it did have a major effect on the people around me, like, how often we drank. Uh, I was in college during this time, and I remember, like, Jersey Day being a thing, and, like, everybody just being, like, like, all of a sudden having, like, this ticket to punch that was, like, okay to just be annihilated, like, falling into bushes and having your vagina spread open in public, drunk all the time because of this show. Like, it gave people this, like, freedom to think that they could just be tyrants in public, <laughs> which is really embarrassing in my old Facebook photos uh, is still suffering from that. Um, how old were you when the show premiered? So I would have been right around like 15, 16, I think. Okay. Okay. All right. So you weren't like in a phase in your life where you felt like you need to like, you needed to copy <laughs> the drinking patterns of Stooky. That's actually really good for you. Yeah. Well, so I was not also like one of the cool kids in school. So I hardly ever drank in high school at all. Um, so this was just like, you know, I was still judging people (laughs) like I was still into judgment (laughs) at that point in my life um so (laughs) I like really like like to judge the Jersey Shore cast and the kinds of people who are going to parties and stuff like in high school just because like I wasn't part of that and I wish I could be of course (laughs) (laughs) if you can't join them judge them (laughs) um no I get it and put I agree like 
there also was this like culture of like just like douchebaggery just everywhere. Like Jersey Shore also on top of people feeling like they could get belligerent drunk in public all the time, it just brought out the douchebaggery in a lot of people. It was a weird, really weird, just tasteless era yeah. for like fashion and everything. It's like a very Jersey Shore is very much a companion to like the Ed Hardy kind of era. Mm-hmm. Oh God, the John Gosling years. Ugh. Um, but yeah, and like we, so technically we're doing an episode based on Snooki and Gianni today, just sort of generally. Um, really, this could just be like a Jersey Shore relationship episode because we're just, we're talking about the show just in general. And this did kind of become like a relationship show, uh, not intentionally, but it did end up becoming a show based around all these different couples um, and all the, the toxic relationships. <laughs> and it's ironic because you and I have a very similar uh, I guess we kind of like look at Snooki and Gianni the same way where a lot of people don't. Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't see them as like this really toxic couple. They don't see Gianni as, uh, you know, emotionally abusive. They kind of like worship them and like ship them. And uh, you and I talked about this before recording where we're like, no, he's a psychopath. Yeah, I was honestly so shocked because um, my experience with Jersey Shore, like I kind of said, is not as much. Uh, so watching mm-hmm. the first season and then a few weeks, a couple months ago, I don't even remember how long it is. What is time? Um, I did watch season four for my own podcast. So I did watch all of season four. I think I rewatched all of season one and then like kind of a few episodes in seasons like three and five. So I have just a one very specific point of view, like point of reference for Snooki and Gianni. And I feel like coming Mm -hmm. out of that, there's no way that I could like him. No, it's impossible. Like it is impossible when you watch, especially like I just went back and rewatched a few I watched like maybe a, a season in total, but I kind of skipped around to different seasons. And when you watch the continuation of their relationship, it just gets darker and darker. And she gets more and more neurotic and obsessive about making him happy and making sure he doesn't hate her and making sure that he like, you know, is whatever. It's like it, the whole thing, like of them just in this weird like hamster wheel of her being judged by him and him hating her for being snooky but also, like, piggybacking off of her. And, like, it's like he fell in love with Snooki and then wanted to change everything about her. Ugh, yeah, it just, I can't, I can't. It's just, let's get into it. Let's get into it. Okay. So, Snooki and Gianni Lavalle, I think is how you pronounce his last name, started dating in September of 2010. They got engaged in March of 2012. And they've been married since November of 2014. Uh, they very famously met at Karma Nightclub while filming the Jersey Shore, and uh, Johnny Gianni later became like a very integral part of the show and the cast, and uh, to the point that he ended up having a spinoff show. Um, and Snooki and Gianni are fascinating to me because I don't know, like Snooki sort of like she's obviously in the driver's seat as far as like branding their relationship, like marketing them. She's really good at at making them feel like some sort of like internet aesthetic. Um, and it's just fascinating because I don't think that when we were introduced to Snooki, anybody had any thought in their mind that she would become this marketing genius and would have, you know, a 15, 16 year long, uh, reality television career, a bunch of spinoff shows, book deals, branding, like suntan lotion line or whatever. (laughs) 
Snooki is like the Guida Kim Kardashian. Just like <laughs> low key a genius and knows yeah. how to like develop her brand and like organically shift it from like one phase of her career into the next without people like really catching on to what she's doing. Like she just so seamlessly slipped into like that mommy blogger kind of role. And it's like, wait, five yeah. minutes ago you were like face down, ass up. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. She really she knows her audience. She knows what people want to see from her. She knows what they expect from her. She knows who is like checking for her every day. Um and obviously they have three children together. That's a huge part of their internet presence is that their their parents. Um and you know, I know that they do have a really like ravenous fan base and people who really really genuinely adore them and like ship them and love this sort of like wrapped in a bow ideal version of their very problematic relationship but we are going to kind of break down um our reasons for thinking that Gianni is a scumbag and uh yeah I guess we can kind of start with Snooki of course I did a little bit of research about her past um nothing that people probably don't know but maybe people don't like a lot I just assume that like the whole world was watching this show but a lot of people didn't it was 10 years ago um so Snooki was actually born in Santiago, Chile. Uh, she was adopted and then raised by Italian parents in New Jersey. Uh, her dad is a firefighter and her mom is an office manager. Um, and she's also always been very honest about the fact that she was adopted. That was like a a weird controversial thing when she first became famous that people were like, she's not even Italian. Like, that's so inappropriate. I know that I remember that outrage. Like people were like, she like bamboozled us. It's like, yeah, but she was adopted by an Italian American family. Like, yeah, she can claim their like, culture. She grew up in that family. Right. Like stop looking for reasons to tear down Snooki, please. Um, please. Um, she had a pretty normal childhood from what I gather. She was a cheerleader. Uh, she was very popular. Um, she describes herself as a former mean girl and bully, which I live for. Um, I live for, like, a tiny little teenage Snooki being, like, a mean girl. Um, and she's also been very open about the fact that as a teenager, she suffered uh, a pretty extreme eating disorder. She was in gymnastics, and like I said, she was in cheerleading. Um, I think she said that at her lowest, she weighed 80 pounds. And um, it's really sad considering at the height of her fame, like, her body was subject to so much ridicule, and she was made fun of for, like, being a, quote, meatball or whatever, which is something that she obviously, like, named herself, but, like, people, like, really hated Snooki and really liked attacking her and, like, judging her for the way she looked. And her body was ridiculed in a way that, like, if it was 2019, that shit would be absolutely not yes. happening. So, like, both on-screen and off-screen, because even in the first season, like, Mike is talking shit about her body, calling her fat... Like, you know, she you yeah. know, has to explain to them that, like, she had suffered an eating disorder. So those kind of comments really hit her. And then even from there, like, the public still, like, latched on to that and nonstop talking about, like, her body and her weight and what she looks like, the tabloids. Oh, she lost weight. She's gained weight. That sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Even to this day, not as much anymore, but I feel like there's always still going to be an undercurrent of, like, this is what Snooki looks like now. Like, look at her transformation. And the emphasis, obviously, is on her weight. Yeah, she lost weight. And she also worked that into her brand, too, that she's now this, like, fitness mom. Um, But she told the media, ironically, uh, after she became famous, that she obtained the the name Snooki in middle school 
And then it was like this inside joke between her and her friends uh, because she was the first person to kiss a boy. And apparently it was like a Save the Last Dance reference, which like, you know, I haven't watched Save the Last Dance in about 15 years. So I don't remember the the reference. Um, shout out if you do. Uh, but she said in an interview a few years later, uh, before the show, no one really called me Snooky. They were looking for nicknames on the application. One of my girlfriends used to call me that just to be funny, so I wrote it down. And then I was like, oh, fuck. Now that's going to stick. And I wish I'd put something else. Um, which is insane to think that, like, Snooky... Because so much of Snooky's appeal, aside from the fact that she's just, like, magnetic, was her name. Because nobody had ever heard that word before, but it, like, rolls off your tongue so easily, and it's such a good nickname. It's and- like... From the moment we heard the name Snooky, it's like it had always existed in pop culture. <laughs> yes. Yes, from that first party's hair. <laughs> and it was like, Snooky? Um, after high school, she attended community college. She planned on becoming a veterinary uh, veterinary technician, um, which she was obsessed with and she's still obsessed with. And if you ever read any interview about like what she would have done if she didn't do Jersey Shore, like... She still, even after doing the show, wanted to become a vet tech. And she was obsessed with, like, cow delivery and all kinds of weird shit. Um, before being cast on Jersey Shore, she actually appeared on a another MTV show called Is She Really Going Out With Him? Which was during this weird, like, this weird period for MTV where they were doing these really scripted, hidden camera, like, fake we gotcha shows, you know, like we've set up cameras in a coffee shop and like whatever. And then they hire actors to pretend that they're in these weird situations. Have you ever seen the clip of her on that show? No, I really need to though. It's good. It's on YouTube. She looks, she looks like a almost realized Snooki. She's <laughs> not you know? quite there. The proto Snooki. Yeah. The poof, the poof wasn't there yet. Like she was so close. Um, and the producers of the show obviously loved her. Um, they said that they loved her sort of like off the cuff, unscripted moments, um, which like obviously on a show that's completely fake for you to have <laughs> unscripted moments that stand out is is a good thing. Um, and they collectively had all decided that they wanted to cast her on whatever they were coming up with next. So in its original format, the Jersey Shore was actually going to be a Guido lifestyle competition series so it was supposed to be, like, the challenge with a bunch of Italians, like, I, I, which is the weirdest, but makes sense for the time. <laughs> it's really not that far off. Um, a woman named Sally Ann Salsano, who had previously worked on A Shot at Love with Tila Tequila, um, really helped shape the show and helped kind of make it what it became. And uh, you and I were talking about this last... By the way, we recorded this episode already. Let me just let me just let the cat out of the bag. 15 minutes in, rec- and you finally, you finally fessed up. We recorded this episode before. A reoccurring theme for guests on my show is that they do it twice in a row. Like, it's actually so fucked up. And I'm so lucky that the people I record with are cool. Because, like, sending out the text that's like, hey... The work that we did, did none of it saved, by the way. I feel <laughs> terrible. Um, but you were cool about it, thank God. I don't know what happened. I don't know. Um, but she... So the Sally Ann Salsano woman, she's amazing. She's iconic. And she is... If you don't know her, 
the way that I was introduced to her was on an episode of the Hollywood Reporter Roundtable on YouTube. Um, that show where they like get a bunch of actors or like com- comedi- comedians or whatever together and they just like talk about their experiences. She was on the reality TV episode with um, RuPaul and uh, Leah Remini and Chris Jenner. It's amazing. And she literally stole the show. Like she was the highlight of that entire episode. You have to watch I it. I know, I know. I should have watched it between the last time we recorded and now because ugh, that's just what a fascinating group of people. I know. And to think that she stole the show from RuPaul, Chris Jenner, and Leah Remini is like a lot. Like they were sitting in awe of her. Um but the show was basically inspired by her life. Like Jersey Shore is about this woman, Sally Ann. Um she said many times that the reason she was contacted to do it was because she was the biggest guidette that any of the people at MTV knew. And they're like, this seems like you should produce this show. Um, and she has said, like, she is Snooki. Like, she grew up being Snooki. Her friends view her as, like, a Snooki-type character. She always has been. Um, and she grew up in the summer times, like, going to the shore with her friends and getting inebriated and hooking up with people and, and like, fucking, what do they call it? Fighting the beat or whatever. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> dark times. Um, but the show spawned uh, into this sort of like, I don't know, MTV wanted to take it in this different direction because they were doing The Hills, which was like this big, glossy, like very scripted, beautiful reality show with like models. Um, they wanted to do something that felt more real and more gritty and more sort of like docuseries. And I don't think Jersey Shore gets enough credit for the fact that, like, they were kind of self-producing. Like, they had cameras in there. Obviously, they had cameramen. But a lot of the footage that you see of that show is, like, from cameras that are just on the ceiling. hmm You know what I mean? Like, they're just kind of hanging out. It's like Big Brother almost, but they just drink all day. I mean, they really um, struck gold with the cast because, like, those personalities just, they know what they're doing. But also, yeah. they're so, like genuine and authentic with it that it doesn't come across like they are i mean mike sometimes gets a little like obvious with his self-producing but for the most part like you can't really it's not it doesn't grate on your nerves like it does on a lot of other reality shows when you can kind of tell that the people are doing that yeah not at all and even when you can tell that they're doing like things that they've been told to do it it still doesn't even really bother me i'm still like i love these people it kind of seems like they would be doing that anyway regardless of anyone had suggested it to them or not (laughs) Yeah, they're just like, hey, can you get drunk today at noon? They're like, okay. <laughs> um, yeah, we can figure that out. Um, Mike actually did an interview with Vulture. Actually, I, half of my notes is this Vulture interview. It was came out in, I think, like 2014. And it was kind of like a definitive, like, this is the end-all, be-all Jersey Shore interview. It's really good if you want to read it. Um, but he said, in 2008, I was trying to do fitness and underwear modeling, and it wasn't really working out for me. And he said, someone told me that MTV was trying, or VH1, uh, was trying to do a show about Guidos from the East Coast, and it was supposed to be like a challenge-type show. So I did the pilot. Um, Snooki saw the ad on Facebook, uh, and she went out for an, addition, an audition, and she showed up drunk. Uh, this guy named Doran, who was in charge of casting, said, Nicole showed up in a miniskirt, and she literally did cartwheels and flips. She was extraordinary, and her application was smudged with fingerprints from her bronzer to the point that I was like, what happened to your application? What did you spill on it? I'm obsessed. (laughs) Could you imagine touching a piece of paper and then somebody saying, what did you spill all over this? (laughs) 
And you have to just say, no, it's just my hands. <laughs> She's such a star. God, I just love the image of her going into that bar and just being like, yeah, I want to be on your show. And then doing like a back handspring. I know. Underwear out, <laughs> dress up above her waist. Kids like- akimbo. <laughs> <laughs> She's probably wearing some like, like, uh, remember those like tennis shoes? They were like sneaker slippers. Like, they were, like, slippers mm-hmm. that looked like sneakers, and she would, like, wear them out in public all the time. <laughs> like, slippers. Um, yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, Paulie from the the same interview said, I was in Rhode Island DJing away, and I got a message on MySpace, and they said that they liked my look for a potential show. Then a casting director called my phone and said, we'd like to film a day in your life. And I didn't really take it too seriously until they showed up at my house with cameras. And I was like, well, what do you want me to do? And they said, just do whatever you would normally do. So I went to the gym, I went tanning, and then I went out to the club. Um, the producers were also obsessed with Polly because he... Polly is, like, the only person from the cast that kind of had, like, a living beforehand. Like, he, like, had money because he was a, su- a successful DJ. Um, and he had a $10,000 tanning bed in his apartment. And... <laughs> The producers, A, loved that, B, couldn't understand how he could afford it, and C, just lived for the fact that most of his apartment was a single tanning bed. (laughs) He just lives in the tanning bed. (laughs) He, like, eats in it. Um, And then Angelina, uh, she said, I was going through a breakup. My girlfriends were like, you're coming out tonight. We're going to the clubs. And I felt some girl tapping me on the shoulder, and she goes, listen, I've been watching you for, like, half an hour, and I think you're amazing, and I want you to interview for something special. Um, Wow said that uh, she worked at a nightclub in Long Island. She said, we held casting calls all the time at my, at my job. Um, she said they were casting for a VH1 show called Paris Hilton's My New BFF, and my best friend wanted me to be on it so bad, she kept making me try out. So I was like, listen, I'll try it at my club one night. And uh, she said, I'll try out with you. And they called me a couple weeks later. And they said, we really think that we would love you for this show called Number One Guido. <laughs> Cringe. I just love that title, Number One Guido. <laughs> it's like, just call it Exploiting Italians. Like, don't like, beat around the bush. Don't be cute about it. America's Next uh, Top Guido. <laughs> um... Ronnie said, uh, I had a shore house with my friends. I was already in Bilmar and I was out one night doing whatever I do. And I guess being a creep, if you want to say, and a lady approached me and she was like, oh, Ronnie's so gross. A lady approached <laughs> me and she was like, listen, you fit the criteria for a show that somebody's casting. Would you like to try out? So I did a video audition, and of course, I acted like a complete crazy person. I took my shirt off, I fist-pumped, and you know what? I did my best. I was acting like a maniac. Um, and then lastly, uh, Sammy has completely like erased this period of her life, even though it's the only thing she'll ever be known for. So she wasn't featured in the interview, unfortunately. We didn't get the Sammy Sweetheart exclusive. Um, but Vinny said, I actually had a friend, as a joke, send me the application form, and they were looking for big, muscular guidos with spiky hair, and I wasn't like that. So I filled it out, and I was like, look. <laughs> he said, listen, I like to go to the Jersey Shore, but I don't, I'm not your typical guido. And then I got a call back a year later, and they were like, hey, remember that thing you filled out? And I was like, what thing? And the next thing you know, I was in the house of these crazy people. Um, it also kind of makes me sad that there's a world where, like, Dina couldn't do this show i think somebody in her family had died or something or like there was something going on with her family where she couldn't go 
So that's why Dina was on the first season. And, like, that kind of breaks my heart because Dina actually is my favorite cast member of the entire show. I love Dina. And so I had never really experienced her before watching season four because I had just seen, like, season one and parts of season two. And I never liked Angelina. And I knew that she got replaced by another girl at one point, but I just, like, didn't know Dina. And then, like, watching season four, I was like, oh, my God, I love her. She's so cute. And just, she's like, the heart. The way she gets emotional just like reminds me of myself, especially like when I was young and would get drunk. So I yeah. just. <laughs> <laughs> I, I remember the way she talked had a big impact on people too. Like Dina was very quotable because she would always say things like, she'd always end her sentences with I feel. And I remember <laughs> that being like a thing people would do to make fun of her. Like, I'm hungry, I feel. <laughs> Where are my underwears? <laughs> <laughs> She's so um, cute. But yeah, I feel like if she had been on from season one, she just would have gotten more of the respect that she deserves. Absolutely. Like, to the point where, like, Snooki's fame would have maybe come into question. You know what I mean? Like, the way that Snooki got famous from season one, I feel like Dina had potential to be a breakout star. She was, like, she came in hot. Like, as if she had never not been there when she finally showed up. <laughs> I mean, I guess it helps that, like, she knew Snooki and they were friends. Um, but, I, yeah. yeah, season one, I feel like with Snooki and Dina would have been, like, the two of them are a package deal. And I don't yeah. think, like, they would have had nearly, well, not that Dina has, like, a significant amount of fame compared to Snooki. But Snooki, I don't think, would have had nearly the same amount of, like, fame as an individual. Yeah, almost like maybe Wow and Snooki wouldn't have had, like... A whole side career yeah. after the show. You oh know? my god, that's so true. Because it would have just been Snooki and Dina, like always and forever. Amen. Because let's face it, like we love a JWoww moment. You know, after she has sex with the guy, she'll rip their freaking head off. <laughs> but like, JWoww wasn't a star, really. Like JWoww was like an interesting person living in the house. But like, you really got to see how sort of like muted her personality was when they weren't a, like a group, and when it was her and Snooki on their own show. I mean, like the star of the show was Dina, and if they had gotten a spinoff, can you imagine like a meatball spinoff show? Oh my god! I just like I see oh. it as like a travel show, like meatballs take yes. the world, <laughs> almost like Paradise, like Tara Reid's old show, <laughs> but like. <laughs> Yes. Oh my god. Okay, someone someone get the producers on the line. Where's Sally Ann? <laughs> Sally Ann! <laughs> um, another really interesting thing about the first season, which I guess wouldn't come as a, a big surprise, but like compared to where they ended up oh, Sorry, my phone just rang. Uh, compared to where they ended up they, they made no money. Like During their first season, Danny, the owner of the Shore Shop uh, the Shore Store, actually, in the house that they were living in was actually paying them the money that they were using to survive because they weren't really being paid by MTV yet. And um, while they were filming, like, they were all so desperate for money that they were all doing, like, side hustles. <laughs> so Ronnie was trying to become, like, a successful real estate agent, and he would be making, like, business calls on the duck phone, like, trying to close deals to make money to go out. To, like, survive and be able to buy clothes and, like, maintain tanning and, like, whatever for the show. Um, and Vinny actually men- mentioned that they were so broke that they, like, begged Karma, basically, to, like, let them promote. And Karma was like, okay, so we'll give you guys $500 to, like, come in and be club promoters for a night or whatever. Even though you come here all the time anyway. <laughs> uh, 
whatever. And they did, and they ended up, like, living off of that $500, which is, I don't know. Have you ever read, there's this article that came out maybe, like, four or five years ago, and it was about, like, the way that, like, reality television producers get treated and how they make, like, no money and... Like, there's no union for reality television producers and camera people and stuff. Mm-mm, no, I don't think I've read that. Oh, my God. I have to send it to you. It's so good. But they talk about, like, you know, like, these people who work on, like, you know, Amazing Race and mm-hmm. Survivor. Like, oh, those yeah. camera people are out in the fucking Amazon. Yeah. You know? Like, if they're on Amazing Race, like, they're also hang gliding over <laughs> the jungle with you and shit. And, like, they don't have a union and they don't have anybody, like, protecting them. And if you're pregnant, if you're a woman, you have to work still. So, like, there's all these stories of people, like, on Temptation Island, like, they got stranded there and the network forgot to go get them and they didn't have any connection with, like, anybody. So, they were actually deserted on an island and had no food or water. Holy shit. Like, crazy (laughs) shit. So, that's not hard to believe that, like... This little chintzy show that they probably didn't think was going to go anywhere. That they were just, like, watching them try and figure out how to survive. <laughs> like, that's so dark that they were like, how are you going to eat today, boo? <laughs> <laughs> like, how are you going to yeah. pay for your food? Go pick up a couple extra shifts down at this, like, shore shop. <laughs> yeah, go press a couple shirts. <laughs> um, but the show, ironically, didn't premiere to great, n- like, numbers. Like, when the show premiered, and I think... Looking back, it's like revisionist history where you look back on it being like this big, giant, you know, major milestone in pop culture, which it was. But at the very beginning, people weren't really people just like didn't really care. Um, It was a slow burn that eventually became something that the entire world seemed to kind of collectively be talking about and writing about and complaining about and trying to copy and boycott and just all the things. Um the show was obviously controversial. Uh, we can't, we can't beat around the bush when it comes to that. People really wanted it off the air. Um, it was one of the first reality shows to make like national headlines for offending, you know, an entire race of people. And like, obviously this wasn't like the first controversial reality show. Like you had shows in the past that were questionable, like the Swan and Joe Millionaire and all these weird shows But this was one that people really felt like these kids are the example for an entire nationality and they're like tarnishing the way Italians are viewed in this country, which is insane. Obviously, you have to be like over 60 to think something like that. That's a boomer thought process if I've ever heard it. (laughs) Like, Are you kidding me? No, like... 19-year-old watching Jersey Shore is thinking that every Italian acts like Dina. You know what I mean? Like, it's just silly. Um, A man named Andre Domino, who was the communications director for the Italian-American One Voice Coalition, came out to fight the good fight against the show. He said, I had meetings with Viacom and MTV executives, and we did get 11 national advertisers to pull their advertising. The first was Domino's Pizza. He said, I was absolutely flabbergasted at the use of the word Guido. They showed the cast being intoxicated, acting very dumb. I saw violence against women, and they were specifically saying... These are Italian-Americans. I mean, how disgraceful that they, that they had one Italian flag as a bedspread and they were having relations on top of the Italian flag. 
Not all the people that were on the show were even Italian. To me, that was even worse. Um, and Tim McIntyre, I think is how you pronounce his name, he was the vice president of communications and relations for Domino's, because this was like a big deal that Domino's, this big advi- advertiser, like pulled out of this <laughs> controversial show, which like, like a bunch of kids drunk and eating sloppy <laughs> joes, like get over it. Um, he said, the morning after MTV aired the first episode of Jersey Shore, our third party media buyer told MTV the content wasn't right for Domino's brand. We requested that our spots not air on future episodes, and we had not been given a chance to review the content ahead of time. But had we been given the chance, we would have said no before the show even aired. Uh, One of our objections was a scene in which a man at a bar was shown punching a woman named Snooki. A woman named Snooki. (laughs) I love that. I don't know why. Her Uh, government name. (laughs) Punching a woman named Snooks. Uh, We did not we do not and did not condone that kind of violent behavior against anyone. And we don't support pro we don't support the programming with our advertising dollars. We do not consider men hitting women to be entertainment. Now we have to talk about this punch. A lot of people I think forget that the punch even happened. Like because so much time has passed, Mm -hmm. so much history has happened with this show. They forget that the root of this show, the very beginning of it, the way that it got its, like, Bambi legs and got off the ground was the punch. Do you remember this happening? Like, do you remember this being a thing? Yes, I absolutely remember the controversy. Because this is, like, in the time when I was really into watching, like, this pop culture recap sort of shows. Like, The Soup mm-hmm. and Best Week Ever and things like that on VH1 and E. And so I remember, like, the punch happening and the way that they advertised it, the fact that they showed the punch, like, at least once, and that was enough, of course, for the internet to, like, grab it and immortalize it. Yeah. And just, yeah, the controversy, which is so funny now, because I don't think anyone ever thinks about that when they think about Snooki and they think about Jersey Shore is not the punch. (laughs) Yeah, the infamous punch. Like, it's not something, like you said, that people even equate to the show anymore. But it was so controversial. It was such a big deal. And I don't know, it's interesting, like, one of the things that I find really fascinating about going back to watch old reality shows is how differently things would be handled now. Like, just any any given thing, like, how different it would be filmed or what it would look like. Obviously, if this was now, they would all look like, you know, Kylie Jenner, and it would just be a completely different show. But, like, do you think that this punch would have aired today? Or do you think that they would have just scrubbed it and completely acted like it didn't happen? I feel like there's no way they would have ever shown the actual, like, contact of the man's fist on Snooki's face like they did back then. I feel like they Mm -hmm. probably would have, like, you know, had the context of it happening in the show. You know, maybe Mm -hmm. even showing them up to the point, like, in the bar, like, arguing with the man and then, like, cutting to, like, back at the house and then, like, Snooki, like, crying and them icing her face and them going over what happened. But I don't think they would have had, you know, anything as much as what happened even after they scrubbed the actual punch from the episode. Even just, like, showing her on the floor crying. It was so visceral to watch. Oh, that part kills me. I actually just recently watched it on YouTube just so because I haven't seen that. I literally haven't seen that moment in over 10 years. I forgot that it even happened. And it was so like the guy didn't like backhand her or like slap her or like he literally like wound up his fist like fucking Popeye like 
cracked open a can of spinach <laughs> and punched her. Like the way that you would, you, like in a movie, the way that you hear like a, like a, like that like sound effect. Yes. That's what oh. it looked like. It was like a movie punch. Like it was so intense. Um, but so the infamous punch that aired during the first season of Jersey Shore, ironically, like became one of the most important events to take place during that show's period at that time, like the first season. Um, during the first few weeks of filming, the cast hated Snooki, and none of the girls would like hang out with her or interact with her or talk to her. Um, the guys wanted nothing to do with her. She was actually planning on going home. And she even, like, spoke to the producers about when she would be making her exit and, like, how they would, like, you know, like, in a scripted way, get her out of the show because she didn't want to be there. And Dorian, the guy that I mentioned earlier from casting, said, um, Stucky had never been away from home. The other roommates didn't like her, and she didn't fit in. She wanted to quit the show. So what brought the house together, unfortunately, was the attack on Snooky at the bar because suddenly they protected her, and at that moment, they became a family. And Sally Ann said, everyone was so shocked that uh, that moment united all of us in a way, the people in front of the camera and the people behind the camera. And in that moment, everybody became so much more human. And it's true when you watch the season, like before that, like you said, they were calling her like Snickers and making fun of her. And mm-hmm. Jenny was so like, JWoww was like the meanest to her. Yeah, she like hated her. She was repulsed by her, like, wanted to beat her up and was, like, they all hated her. And then after the punch happened, it was, like, all of a sudden, like, the relationships that they carried on for, like, 15 years, like, that's when you saw them form. Which is super dark that that's where it stemmed (laughs) from, but it's actually really sweet at the same time. Because it was, like, it made them all realize how fucking harmless and sweet Snooki is, you know? Yeah, she was, like, their little sister or something. Yeah. Yeah, she she became, like, their sister. Ugh. Um, So cute. And there was some back and forth as to whether or not they would air the punch. Um, They didn't want to pretend that it didn't happen because it bonded the cast in a way that would feel unnatural if they didn't explain it. <clears throat> especially because they all hated her and then they didn't next, the next day they would have been the audience would have been like what the fuck happened um and it became a really big reason that they all became so close um but they also at the same time didn't want this like 21 year old girl like having to live with this horrible moment being aired on tv for the rest of her life and on the internet so Snooki's parents actually demanded that mtv not show the actual punch and um but they they did air it uh accidentally as like a next week on so it was like in the preview for the following week they showed the contact and that moment was clipped and that's the only time it's ever been on tv but now that moment that has like a hundred million views on youtube like that single mistake that they made like now we now we know what it looked like um and the show obviously became like a big giant major cultural phenomenon and the cast became, you know, the face of this, like, this life that people didn't know anything about or didn't understand. And it's one of those shows. I love a peek behind the curtain show, you know, like a mm-hmm. show that makes you feel like you're seeing a community of people that, like, where you're from, you're not privy to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, those are always my favorite kinds of shows. And this was, like, the epitome of that. And, you know, if you didn't grow up in a place where, like, people consider themselves guidos and guidettes or whatever... Um, it was an entirely new experience. It really did change the world. And I don't know. I'm just endlessly fascinated by like 
Jersey Shore just being this thing that, I don't know, was so different than the Hills and so different than everything that was happening during that time. It really just, like, um, marked, like, the shift from MTV's identity, you know, from the hills, yeah. from, like, my super sweet 16, like, these unattainable, yeah. just, like, rich kid ideals that, like, the average MTV viewer would never have access to, to, like, this new group of people, this new kind of vibe where it's, like, yeah, they're crazy and they're outlandish and they're so much bigger than, like, anything someone would experience, like, on an average daily basis, but it's accessible. Like, you can go to the Jersey Shore. You might not be able to get to Hollywood and get to, like, Calabasas and all these, like, private neighborhoods, but anyone can get to the Jersey Shore. That's so true. Which they did. Like, they literally would be like, well, let's go watch some film this show. (laughs) And then they all became Elephant Man. Um, But one of the things that you and I talked about before... You had mentioned that you're not, like, I'm trying to, like, get you on the Vanderpump Rules, like, bandwagon. (laughs) Like, I'm trying to, like, scrub your brain and, like, polish it with Vanderpump Rules, just brainwash you. Take out my preconceived notions. (laughs) Because I just, I know what the experience will be for you, and I'm like, it's it's crazy to, like, know what it will be before you do, and you're, like, (laughs) on the precipice of a a thing that's going to change your whole world. Um, (laughs) But... One of the things that you and I talked about before was how interesting it is. Like, Jersey Shore was one of the last... You know, there's these shows that come along every few years that are, like, monumental shows that then all these other shows sort of spin off of, right? Like, from this show, you had, like, Jerseylicious and all these different shows that were like this. And it was a milestone show. But Jersey Shore was the last milestone reality television show pre-social media that sort of, like, wasn't around for the explosion of social media at the same time. And, mm-hmm. you know, they were savvy in a way, but also really naive. They all blew their money. You know, Mike spent a million dollars in a year. Like, they blew their money because they didn't have the wherewithal to know what to do with it. And nobody had ever made money like this from reality TV before like them. And now it's, like, people like the cast of Vanderpump Rules who started off on their show poor and working at a restaurant and fighting about shit in the galley of a restaurant and not being able to pay their rent and have all of their furniture on the show comes from like there's like their stores in ikea and they live in like shitty condo apartments like it's relatable in a way that almost feels like too much <laughs> we were like whoa like you guys are fighting about shifts at work and this is like too much um but now they are huge massive stars and they all have endorsements and they all have you know people sponsoring them on instagram and book deals and flat tummy tea but you know reality tv people owe so much to jersey shore like watching them make their mistakes and you know mike is in fucking jail you know and for tax evasion and it's it's like sad that they had to kind of be the sacrificial lambs for that all these other reality tv stars would know how to spend their money Yeah, I like I want to write a dissertation on like social media and this kind of era of reality television because it's so symbiotic, especially Jersey Shore, because it was such a phenomenon, especially after the infamous Mm -hmm. punch. I feel like it's almost it was almost like right at like the the point where Jersey Shore helped social media grow and social media obviously helped Jersey Shore grow. But it's like they gave they provided the content that everyone was tweeting about and, you know, posting that on Facebook and sharing the clip, putting it on YouTube, you know, like linking that to Twitter, all of those things. 
And then, of course, like, Jersey Shore, like, because of that and because, I don't know, I don't even know what I was trying to say there, but just, like, this was such an interesting period, and I feel like because of that, like, they helped one another grow, that, like, I wonder what the landscape would be in 2019 if Jersey Shore hadn't been a thing back then. I'm sure some other show would have filled the role, because it's just, like, if Jersey Shore premiered in 2019... Of course, they would immediately be on their like Instagram, like shilling for flat tummy tea and fat fit fun yeah. and whatever else. And I don't think Snooki would have ever gotten the amount of hate that she got back in 2009. Like there wouldn't be, of course, there would always be haters. There'd always be people commenting on her body, but she would have stands yeah. that were like jumped down their throats. Like she would have an army, like a, the beehive, basically. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Like I feel like they <clears throat> they represent the last sort of like naive period of. You know, like that MySpace era of of social media was so innocent. I talk about that all the time. It was so naive, and it was so like, you know, as dark as some of it was. Like a lot of like, a lot of the internet was dark at that time, but it was just generally so much more innocent and naive mm-hmm. and like dumb. You know, it was, like it was just so stupid. Pre Black Mirror vibes. <laughs> Yes, like YouTube was so dumb. Like you literally would post videos on YouTube of you doing just the dumbest shit. Oh my god. It wasn't because you wanted to be a fucking star or end up with a reality show. You were just like doing things on the internet that made you feel happy and like that were just fun. It wasn't about becoming famous. Mm-hmm. Um actually this really interesting quote from Snooky from that uh that uh, Vulture magazine article where she said, we went to LA for press during season one. None of us went to the West coast before. And Kimmel was one of our first big shows. We were only supposed to be there for that. And then we came back um, or we were only supposed to be there for that and then come back. But we ended up staying a couple extra days because they were booking us for all these other shows. And then going out that night, we were hanging out with Leonardo DiCaprio and Lindsay Lohan and all these celebrities were coming up to us and saying, we love your show GTL. And they were having shots with us, and that's when we knew that it was a big deal, because even celebrities knew who we were. And they got so famous, they were so giant, that the president actually mentioned them in his correspondence center speech and, like, made a joke about, like, tanning taxes in New Jersey and said something like, oh... Like, the Jersey Shore cast won't be taxed, and everybody, like, lost their shit, because, you know, at that time, that was a cutting-edge joke. <laughs> Truly, that was, like, some really spicy humor. Um, and it's just fascinating, because we watched, you know, this change take place. We watched this slow transition, and these changes happen in their lives, you know, and we watched these kids go from, like, pulling up at their house with shitty cars that were breaking down like Snooki's car had to be like pushed off the lot and you know Angelina's showing up with like leaf bags full of clothes because she couldn't afford a suitcase to then you know having Mike making a million dollars in a year and blowing it all on like t-shirts um and like them not even being able to film their show at the Jersey Shore anymore because they became a spectacle like those seasons where they're drunk on the shore and there's hundreds and hundreds of people circling them and just walking and filming them that is like black mirror (laughs) yeah it's so it's so interesting to me like the the way that they had to continue filming the show because obviously you know it's it's set at a beach so they film it one summer it's huge they want to continue filming it but it's winter now so okay let's move them to florida all right 
we filmed it. Let's go back up to New Jersey. It's summer again. And then it's like at that point, they can't ever recapture the magic of the first season because it's so huge to the point where it's like in season four, they're just like, fuck it. We're going to Italy. We have to get away from these people. Yeah, it's actually sad. It's sad that they weren't ever able to really like go back there and have it be like that first season. I mean, they really were like spectacles. Um, And Snooki was on a truly horrific episode of South Park. Uh, and she was also one of the most, or she was the most popular Halloween costume in 2010. Um, they did an episode of Barbara Walters, Most Fascinating People. Um, I mean, they had people reaching out to them to endorse all these weird products. And this is before, you know, just being able to put like spawn, hashtag spawn (laughs) in your Instagram post. Like you actually had to like endorse weird shit. Um, but yeah, so Snooki and Gianni met during the first season. Uh, they hooked up one night. She, like, brought him home from Karma. And, um... During the third season, right? The, the third season, yeah, sorry. And it was a one-night stand. It wasn't supposed to mean anything. And at the time, Gianni was studying to become a gym teacher. <laughs> and a youth wrestler. I love that. <laughs> he was studying. And I wrote the quote down as I read it. I, you know... I'm not trolling. He was studying to become a gym teacher. Uh, Like, I know that a physical education degree is a thing, but it's just like, Mm -hmm. just say that. Be like, I'm trying to get my bachelor's in physical education. Don't be like, I'm studying to be a gym teacher. I'm minoring in like ring around the rosy. (laughs) With a major in dodgeball. It's like, what are you (laughs) talking about? You're studying to become a gym teacher. You fucking idiot. I studied abroad as a line leader. Thank God that's what you're doing. Um, And he made his debut on the show because you you explained this last time better than me because I still don't even know if I understand it. Like somebody came to the house to hook up with Vinny and it was an uncle or something. So it was like partway through season three, Vinny brings home a girl. He's, you know, okay, and they do this weird thing in, like, every episode before they go into the smush room and have sex with the person they brought home, where they all just drunkenly hang out as a group in a common area. (laughs) So, (laughs) that's what they were doing. I guess that's their foreplay. And then before Vinny could get a take, like, get a chance to take her back into the room and have sex with her, which is obviously the goal, her uncle showed up, and along with her uncle was, like, an entourage of people, including Gianni. So I don't know exactly what his relation was to the uncle or the girl, but the uncle was basically like, that's my beautiful niece, and it's time for her to come home now, and they just, like, kind of ushered her out of the house. Um, So that was, like, his first appearance on the actual show. And then, like, a few seasons, or not a few seasons, a few episodes later, they all just go out to a bar. I love this, too. Like, Snooki's just, like, determined to, like, find some guy she's like it's been like four months since i had sex i just want to find someone (laughs) and then she's like it's the end of the night and i just grab the first person i see because you know it's i'm getting desperate like basically is what she says and that person was gianni and they call him the cock block right they're like he's that's the guy that like that cock blocked us like let's go ruin their let's go ruin their night and like I don't know, I just, I love that they, first of all, I I do genuinely love that they have a smush room. Like, I love that they have a dirty, seedy, literally mattress on the ground, kind of covered with sheets, but not really, never cleaned smush room. And it's okay that they just bust in on each other in the middle of having sex. And these these poor girls that come home from the club, from Karma, and 
are like naked in bed, like holding their boobs as the guys are coming in to like feed them burgers and shit. Like <laughs> yes, they just literally. look like they look so it's just it's so uncomfortable and so many things would not be okay in 2019. I don't know how anyone would continue to have sex with him after that and not be like, okay, I'm I'm done now. Like I'm gonna get up and put my shirt on. I actually did read too that um one of the there's this list of uh of like scripted and non-scripted things about the Jersey Shore on the internet that's actually really interesting. Um things that they kind of had to script or things that they had to like work into a storyline to not break the fourth wall, mm-hmm. things like that. Like like when Snooki got into her car accident on on for example quote unquote she, car accident. Her quote unquote car accident, she like hit a production car, but they had to like act like she hit a cop car because they can't like be on a show or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um but the girls that they would bring home were all just sort of like the producers would walk up to girls at the club and be like, "Hey, like, do you, basically like, do you want to come fuck Polly tonight?" <laughs> and the girls would be like, "Yeah." So then they would like introduce them and they would send them home to get fucked on camera. Like, not good. Dark. Ugh, it's yeah, it's not great. Like and that is I a do lawsuit know, because of like you know how in season four the twins, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, like the twins were a whole thing. They said in later interviews that they had been drunk when they signed the waivers and like production made sure they were drunk when they signed their waivers. And it's like that if you can't consent to sex when you're drunk, you can't consent to like being on a TV show. And like the worst thing is that the show made them look so bad. Like it wasn't even like on other reality shows where they just hook up like on the Bad Girls Club when they bring guys home. They just like fuck them and you hear like a Muzak version of Kesha and it's over in three seconds. On Jersey Shore, it's a whole thing of the girls, like, of them raiding their body and them looking like mm. fucking maniacs and their underwear showing and them passing out on the ground and them just bullying them and doing all this weird shit to yes. them. Um, but yeah, uh, Gianni was, like, a non-factor after she hooked up with them and she, she like, didn't even know his name. <laughs> she, <laughs> she called him Bernard. <laughs> My favorite thing is that, like, production specifically shows them on the walk home like three different times she's like what what's your name and he's like gianni she's like okay everyone this is gianni and then like you know five minutes later wait what's your name gianni okay and then like of course an hour later as they're having sex he's like say my name baby and she's just like "Mm, mm." (laughs) oh yeah that's what happened he's like say my name and she's like um (laughs) (laughs) he's just like you you don't know it do you she's like yes i do it's um bernard (laughs) and what did she call him a little a baby mario yes she's like this little little mario man or something like that (laughs) (laughs) little mario brother yes little mario brother (laughs) um but i do want to talk about the relationship for a second and it is worth mentioning that so they, like, met or whatever, and then it was actually Snooki who reached out to him on Facebook Messenger and was like, hey, like, can we, like, date or whatever? So by the time that they filmed the next season, they had de- they had been dating for six months, because they're always off for six months and then back on. So that whole time that they weren't filming, they had, like, started this relationship. And... When did they start dating again? That was 2010? Yeah, 2010. That's such a 2010 they- way to, like, ask someone out is message them on Facebook Messenger. <laughs> I know, I love it. <laughs> I love it. Um, That's like the same time I was messaging my crush and being like, hey, do you have the math homework on like Facebook Messenger? 
<laughs> like poking people on Facebook. Thank God, um, yes, starting a poke war. <laughs> but like, you know, Gianni is the true definition of a man with like a Napoleon complex. He's about four feet tall, and he is it. It like shows so much in his personality, and. It was so sad to watch Snooki go from this, like, fun, carefree, whatever girl that, like, had no problem hooking up with guys and, like, not speaking to them again. Like, she was just, like, one of the guys in that sense, and it was cool. And then Gianni came along, and she became this, like, neurotic mess because she was so obsessed with trying to make him like her, and he was so mean. Ugh, I have so much to say about all of this. Like, he just, he dulled her shine. Like, mm-hmm. you see, yeah, she had this, like, carefree, she was an empowered woman in a mm-hmm. time where she got a lot of shit for being an empowered woman, but she still stayed yeah. true to herself. And just, you know, being herself, but I feel like her post-Gianni, yes, she had this, like, neurotic energy. I feel like yeah. it was the same kind of level of energy as what she had had previously, that kind of just like always up, always kind of manic. Whereas before it was like a happiness. And then post Gianni, it was like a, yeah, neuroticism, anxiety. I feel like people didn't see the nuance and they just saw the same kind of like level of energy and they didn't see anything wrong. And I feel like you and I, like we can see through the illusion and we can see, like we can tell the difference like pre and post Gianni. Yeah. Like this weird thing happened where she started like not wanting to like curse and she was worried about being drunk in public and like all these things because he basically he was embarrassed of her and that's what's like that's the the root of why this is so dark is that he was embarrassed of her but also liked her and all the stuff that he like was drawn to about her he wanted to change and you know i mean watching her like in italy chase him around those cobblestone streets to the point that she was like on her knees, like, crawling through the alleyways of Italy was so dark. Of her being like, like, where's my boyfriend? (laughs) Gianni! It's so so sad, because it was, it was played for laughs, but, like, this is a woman who, like, was at, that was, like, the lowest. Like, you could tell she has never felt worse in her life like that was her rock bottom and people were just like ha 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 it's so funny oh look they got back together and not like oh my god this is a toxic relationship that she needs to get out of if this man makes her feel like that yeah and like every time she would speak to him on the phone it would always be like this this sort of like prerequisite of like what did you do today what did you wear who were you with like did you drink a lot were you drunk in public did you make a fool of yourself before they even, like, begin their conversation, it's like, let me, like, get through the checklist to make sure if I still want to be with you. Um, I mean, even after she had her quote-unquote accident, which was still, like, she hit another car. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, it's not great regardless. Like, she called him yeah. and she said, oh, I was in an accident today, which, yeah, she was regardless of who she hit. And the first thing he says is, oh, were you drunk? And she's like, no! And then he's like, oh, okay, are you all right? Like, he could not give two shits. Well, it, like, makes me really sad. And, like, for this little fucker, like, all this for this little stubby fucker who looks like a big toe? Really? <laughs> really? You yeah, know? Just, and Who does he think he, like, who does he think he is and who does he think Snooki is? Because if you meet her at Karma as a one-night stand, like, a silly drunken hookup, and you don't expect her to be that same person, 
And you expect her all of a sudden to be this classy woman who, like, keeps her legs yeah. together when she gets out of a taxi cab. Like, <laughs> yeah. like who the fuck do you think you are? <laughs> like, you met her falling into a bush. <laughs> and then you fucked her. Like, you did that. Yes. Ugh. You didn't care and, that she forgot your name within, like, 25 minutes of meeting you. Yeah. And, like, I mean, aside from Snooki and Gianni, like, the relationships that have come from this have only really been toxic. Like, Jenny and Roger is obviously extremely dark. And, you know, it makes sense that Roger and Gianni were, like, best friends, like, monitoring their gals together. Mm. Um, I mean, Sam and Ronnie... Is like, I have said this before and I will say it again. I think that Sam and Ronnie was visceral for a lot of girls. I remember my age watching that, like in like late high school, early college, that were in K Fed relationships that were okay. just like some Bobby and Whitney shit. Like, you know what I mean? Just really inappropriate. That was like a lot to be saying on camera because. It was just such a specific kind of abusive relationship. It was abusive in a way that we had never really seen on TV before. This sort of, like, alcohol-fueled, every single day, hamster wheel, mental abuse. I mean, Mm -hmm. it was such a long, drawn-out relationship. It wasn't quick, you know what I mean? Yeah, just, like, poor communication skills that never, ever, ever resolved. So it was the same sorts of fights that we get in over Mm -hmm. and over again, and they just... We're never on the same page. And when one person was ready to like have a calm conversation, the other person couldn't do it then. And just mm-hmm. it's, yeah, it's exhausting to watch to see someone going through that and not having like either the, the awareness of what's going on or the strength to just like take a moment and step back and be like, we absolutely need to stop it. Because every time they did that, the next season they'd get back together. Yeah, they were actually, so they were as a couple and I remember in my life being really like uh, a big deal for me because I remember before that I was so confused by couples like them and they were the couple that taught me that like some people like fighting like that like Mm -hmm. people and Whitney Cummings talks about this all the time whenever I hear her on like podcasts and stuff she always talks about how um, when you argue with people especially when you argue with somebody that you love endorphins are released and you like for some people they pump really intense and like you feel really charged up and like almost clear-minded from the endorphins that are pumping through your body from arguing and which then for a lot of people especially for a couple like them leads to this crazy you know mr and mrs smith sex you know what i mean and it's like this hamster wheel and um they were one of the first couples that really like opened my eyes to that that like there are some couples that you know as much as they want people around them to believe that they don't want to be together and they're trying to get a they don't want to not be together they love this shit and Mm -hmm. they get off on it and it's foreplay and they actually are getting like orgasmic endorphins pumped through their body every night by shattering each other's shit all over the house like this is getting them off that's like so completely on the opposite end of the spectrum as me (laughs) so it's just so hard for me to, to fathom people who act like that yeah. And I know that they exist, but just like even watching that and even knowing like their motivations is that they are getting off on this and that's just like their dynamic as a couple. I just uh, it makes I'm just like go to therapy. It's unimaginable and like it it makes me like people troll Sammy for not wanting to be a part of this, but like she was 
in a in a physically and mentally abusive relationship on TV for like six six years, mm-hmm. and nobody really did anything about it. And if anything, they were exploited to keep it going. Like the shit that he was doing to her was like insane. I actually just watched the episode where he shattered all of her stuff and like you know was like throwing her bed outside while she was on it and breaking all her makeup and just like ransacking everything she ever like has ever cared about throwing Mm -hmm. it all over the fucking boardwalk um and like she became a meme like sammy is a meme and her abuse is like a meme on the internet it's just wild Um, i mean that's true for a lot of memes especially featuring women like women yelling it's because it's they're either like in an abusive situation or in like a mental health crisis and we're just like taking joy and entertainment from it oh Oh, god God. people are so fucking crazy um it's also worth mentioning too that like this relationship also begins the era of mike the situation who like during this time had a full-on drug addiction was addicted to alcohol, blowing through money, not paying his taxes, fucking everything with a hole, like, literally was in such a dark, insane place, burning bridges left and right, like, trying to get in between Snooki and her relationship with Gianni. I, there's a part of me that thinks that, that Mike was jealous of Snooki being the sort of, like, breakout star of the show, and I think mm-hmm. that, like, the more and more... Because at the beginning, Mike was kind of like that person. Yeah, The definitely. situation... Everybody, like, loved the situation, and he was that guy that would go on talk shows and pull up his shirt, and the more the show went on, Snooki became the star, and I think Mike hated that, and, you know, I think he wanted her to look really bad on TV, and he did everything he could to try and break up this relationship, um, he tried to expose her, and, I mean, I don't know, it's just crazy, I I know you haven't watched, like, the newer seasons, but I was, like, preaching to you like how much of a saint he is now and like he is the patron saint of new jersey like he is he is the sweetest nicest like i would trust him with my life like he is the (laughs) nicest most genuine guy ever and he's chubby now and it's cute oh i mean i'm all about a redemption so i do kind of want to like dip in and watch some of the newer seasons and like see this like puppy dog mike but this i mean especially like in season four when he was like really in the depths of his addiction and like this whole weird love triangle that he really tried to make into a love triangle that didn't actually exist between him and Snooki and gianni was so weird i hate a love triangle as a plot point anyway and especially when it's like a plot point that no one but like you are picking up on (laughs) nobody cared but at the same time like as much as i wanted snooki and gianni like to break up and not be in this abusive relationship it's like you are not a better alternative in any way no like you're currently a drug addict and you're like psychotic like you're like losing your mind this show is tarnishing your brain um but that what i mean it is really funny though when you look back at him being like we talked about this last time when Gianni, like, shows up to their house in Italy, and Mike's, like, he, like, sits down with, with Vinny, and he's, like, yo, bro, I think he knows. He's eyeing me. And Vinny's, like, what does he know? 
And he's like, he knows about me and Snooks. I think he knows everything. He's obsessed with me. And like Gianni like barely paid any attention to him. He barely even said hi to him. And he didn't even know what all he was talking about. But he was like, I don't think anybody cares. <laughs> yeah, Gianni like comes in, like shakes his hand and be like, oh, hey, good to see you again. And like immediately leaves. And he's just like, mm, did you see that? Did you see that? <laughs> They're like, he's out in the club. Me. Yeah, he's like, oh, he's eyeing me. He's giving me dirty looks. It like camera pans over, and it's like Snooky and Gianni making out, like not looking at him at all. Yeah, they're like fucking banging on a, a VIP couch somewhere. Um, and the show went on for six seasons in its original format, and which eventually led to Snooky filming um, the finale, the final season of the show, eight months pregnant, and. One of the things that I brought up to you last time we recorded was that the last season of the show feels so weird and so strange because it's like a weird version of the show that America came to love because they went back to the shore, but like not really in a good way. Like it was just like these people have all grown so much from this in a lot of ways, like terribly. And they just don't, it just isn't the same. It was like trying to catch lightning in a bottle again and it just wasn't working. Um, you had Snooky who was like pregnant and couldn't literally couldn't interact. <laughs> she couldn't do anything. She couldn't go out. She was like driving a motor scooter through the, the shore and like eating pickles the whole time. It was just like, she was like, why am I here? <laughs> Wanted to leave the whole time. She's pregnant living in the fucking shore house. Um, and then you had Mike who was like at the peak of his pill addiction, uh, but also like trying to stay sober. Um, like, several of the cast members, it was already confirmed that they were, like, getting spinoff shows. V- you know, Vinny was doing that, um, that weird, like, I don't even know what you would call it. Like, that weird talk show that he had, that yeah, came out with his like mom. dinner at Vinny's house or whatever. <laughs> yeah, and, like, Snooki and Wow had, you know, signed a contract to do, like, several seasons of another show. And it was just, it was just time for it to end. It wasn't the same. Um... But I do, I really, 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 I think that you, especially, like, if you want to watch the progression of Snooki and Gianni, it takes such an intense turn, and the show finally acknowledges that he's abusive. Like, the way that the show is edited, it's like, they're all sort of terrified for her that she's so, because by this point, she's had kids with him, she's Mm -hmm. been locked with him in a house for however many years, she's been under his control for however long, and she's, like, re- you know, branded herself as like his perfect image and she's neurotic. And I was telling you before that like a big plot point for the first season of the the family version of the show that they, she has obviously been told, she isn't saying this, but she's obviously been told by Gianni that he, she's not allowed to be in a room with Vinny alone. Mm. She's not allowed to speak to him directly unless they're in a group setting. So, they're living in a house together and she's going out of her way. And this is her friend that she's known for like 15 years now. Yeah. And she's going out of her way to like not interact with him. And it was just so awkward and weird. Like in one of the episodes, she like loses her wedding ring for a second and has a complete mental breakdown and like starts packing her bags to leave because Gianni will be so mad that she lost the wedding ring. She probably paid for herself. Um, and it's just crazy. Yeah. Reactions like that make me so, I mean, and I haven't even seen it, but just hearing you describe it to me, make me so like scared because it's like, okay, 
the reason that someone would react like that publicly on national television is because something bad is going on in private. Yeah. And we've seen, we've seen the level of emotional abuse and verbal abuse that he's willing to get to like on TV. And so it just makes me really concerned for whatever, like however he treats her in private, it's a thousand times worse. Oh, 100%. Yeah. I mean, I, I can't even imagine the stuff that he says to her about her appearance and, oh, like her like, value me... as a human being. He's probably like, you're worthless without me. You know, you'd just be some like shore rat, like probably Ugh. even starting to take credit for her fame, saying that like the only people, reason people like her is because like he came in and saved her and they're, they're a couple. They're, she's not a brand on her own. They're a couple. Like I can just imagine him saying all of this to her. It makes me sick to my stomach to even think about. I hate that little fucker so much. Um, did you watch any of, like, Jenny and... Like, did you watch, like, Snooki and JWoww take whatever? <laughs> no. I Yeah, I didn't watch any of it. Um, I was never, like, really interested in a spinoff of a reality TV show, that, especially that just featured, like, two people. Yeah, you missed nothing. <laughs> it was a scripted mess. And like I said, the only thing that really the, the the biggest takeaway of that show for me was that Jenny was never meant. Jenny needs to be a part of an ensemble cast, and she needs a lot of people around her. And on her own, she's a whispering mute with no personality, and there's nothing happening. Especially because like post becoming a mom, Jenny is like such a different. You know, now she's like holistic and like goes to bed at 8 p.m. And like her whole thing was that she was like this crazy tough chick that liked to fucking fight, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, they're still together. They're still going strong. They're still kicking. They're still a brand. I'm sure that there will be some fucking web series or something on Wii TV or whatever in the works for them soon. I'm just waiting for like uh, Gina Rodriguez, the exploitative producer of mama jude from not the hot to sink her claws into snooki and gianni and produce some like horrible exploitative wee tv show it's only a matter of time what i see for their future is i compare a lot of a specific kind of reality star to kendra wilkinson (laughs) and like snooki's like in that category now to me like she, her career is reality tv it's all she's ever done it's all like she's she's now the girl that's had 12 different shows mm-hmm. she's been in a million shows she did celebrity apprentice like she's that girl you know and i feel like they are going to eventually divorce like some weird thing is going to happen where like there'll be some cheating scandal or something and they'll oh, divorce because we didn't even talk about the fact that gianni was on the ashley madison list when that scandal oh, yeah. happened Gianni was on the Ashley Madison list. I forgot. Do you remember what they ever even said about that? Like, did she ever say anything about she it? She said, yeah. Oh, she addressed it. And she just said that it was a lie and that, like, tabloids. She even said, like, tabloids are saying these alleged things. Like, they can lie to you and just put alleged in the headline. It's like, but no one put alleged in the headline because it yeah. was just there in black and white. His name is on a list. <laughs> it wasn't edited in. Uh, um, He's just such a piece of shit. He's so gross and he's so like like void of any personality like he's just like a blank dead mute Ugh. um well do you have any like closing statements or closing things you'd like to say about 
this beautiful, beautiful couple in this show before we end this? Just that I'm rooting for Snooki. Um, I do think that she's way more intelligent than anyone gives her credit for. I think she is a genius when it comes to like marketing herself. I think that she can be strong enough to leave Gianni and to like strike out on her own, you know, get her own, like I'm a single mom of three like, you know, I'm I'm a balancing my party chick side with my mom's side. Like, I feel like that would be the reality show comeback that Snooki needs. I would love that. I would love... And the one other thing that I will say is that... So at the very beginning of the family, whatever, like, she was a little bit hesitant to be drunk on camera because Gianni scared her into thinking mm-hmm. that that would be bad. Um, and then she finally lets go. And, like, season one, Snooki, like, makes her date, like, her return. She Aww. is, like, the best. Hammered on... Like, she just leans into, like, the meatball of it all. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, getting drunk at 11 p.m. or 11 a.m. with, like, Dina. There's one episode where she gets drunk with the cast and they go out. But, like, uh, Ronnie is depressed because he's right at the peak of, like, that whole baby thing with that, like, that girl that mm-hmm. he, like, abused. And they end up going out they end up staying up until eight in the morning and then they go out again at 8 a.m alone <laughs> and like ronnie has like a meatball day with Snooki, and they get drunk at like 8 a.m at a bar completely alone and they drink until like 3 p.m the next day they're drunk for like two straight days oh my god so like it's really really great content uh- <laughs> <laughs> see Snooki, you have it in you um, well, tell people where they can find you and your podcast and stuff. Um, so my podcast is called Snapback to Reality. And if you search that in iTunes, I'm on Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, whatever it's called. Um, all of the main places you can find me. Um, if you want to find me on Facebook, it's Snapback to Reality Podcast. Instagram is Snapback to Reality Pod. And then you can also follow my personal Instagram at really underscore Riley. It's private, but I'll let you in as long as you have like multiple posts and you don't look like a bot (laughs) (laughs) as long as you're not a russian spy it'll be fine um well i can't wait to come back on your podcast i don't know what we're going to talk about but i can't wait to do it i know just let me know troy because i'm waiting for you to give me a show that we should do together i have a lot of ideas but i don't want to put like any i want to see what you throw at me okay oh okay i'm gonna actually think about it as soon as we as soon as we get done okay good um Well, thank you for doing this with me again. (laughs) You're so welcome. This will just be like our standing Friday date. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. We'll do this all again. We'll talk about Jersey Shore for another hour in two days. Uh, Well, you guys, that was episode 108 of The Smush Room. I hope you enjoyed it. And uh, bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to The Smush Room, an emotionally broken psycho's Patreon exclusive. Please make sure to head over to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review. It really helps your boy. Also, make sure to head over to patreon.com slash evpsychos for more information on this show and other Patreon-exclusive content. You can follow me on Twitter at Troy McEady. That's T-R-O-Y-M-C-E-A-D-Y. You can also follow this podcast at EBP underscore Smushroom. Thank you to executive producer Molly McAleer and coordinating producer Nicole Matthew. the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. 
With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.